Well, my friends, we're back once again to recap all the moves that have happened over the past week in which there are so, so many. And in reality, there's not. Welcome to the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. We are from The Athletic covering the Indians. Uh, and of course, chatting about some of the, the bigger picture things around Major League Baseball. And this time last week, Zach, we, you know, we kind of made fun of the fact that nothing is happening. And the only story in baseball is the fact that nothing is happening. There's no story. That's the story. And yet I said, at some point we know, because there's like eight of the top ten free agents still available... And there are still trades to be made and teams have holes that eventually this is all going to shake loose. The moves have to happen eventually because these guys are going to be free agents all the way through into the start of the regular season. So it's going to happen at some point. The dam is going to break and we're a week later and the dam is still holding. Holding pretty steadily too. I thought we were spending the next 90 minutes talking about the parade. Well, if you'd like to, you did freeze your, your parts off in that weather this past week so if you want to share anything you might have seen that you didn't include in your article at the athletic now would be the time uh there were some things i saw that i did not include in the article yes we'll leave it at that um no i you know maybe the gms are all hibernating because it has been negative five degrees outside so their phones are frozen and they took safety in a, a warm bunker until winter thaws i don't know it's been weird it's actually been kind of nice because you you never know when stuff is going to happen and we've reached like i remember the encarnacion thing happened i was actually talking to another indians writer what is this now 14 months ago 13 months ago about encarnacion i had written something imploring the indians to sign him saying this is the move the timing has never been better and the writer i was talking to was saying, like, he was asking, like, do you really think they have a shot? Like, I don't think there's any chance. And while we were on the phone, John Heyman broke the news saying Encarnacion had signed. So so this winter, it's been so weird because you never know when that stuff is going to happen. But it's almost like like I've completely forgotten that it's the baseball, quote-unquote, hot stove season. Like, it's it's completely out of mind. In my head, the last few weeks or the last month since we got back from the winter meetings, it's like, no, there's there's nothing that's going to happen today. What would happen? Like it's it's just there is no off season. This has just been it's just been nothing. It's like baseball doesn't exist, and I'm sure it'll pick up at some point since we're only five weeks from spring training. But uh, it's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. If you go to our athletic MLB page and you just start to look at some of the things that Ken Rosenthal has written uh, or Peter Gammons has written or Jim Bowden or any of our local sites, what we're covering with the Indians, if you go through like the last 15 headlines, uh, if, if you look at the, I would say probably 80% have the words slow, non-existent, uh, cold season, something to that effect in the headline. Like, like they're and they're all, all about your love life during college. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, it would probably be about the same. Yeah, I would think so. But, I mean, we're all writing the same story. And I know people at home are getting tired of us talking about it. But, I mean, we, we, we can't go spend the owner's money for them to give us something to write about. As much as we've wanted to do that, maybe, to get us out of the doldrums, to, to see a better baseball team down there and a more entertaining team on a nightly basis, that's not all worked. No one ever listens to us and listens to our decisions and things that we think they should do, although our, I mean, our HBD track record kind of speaks for itself. But I mean, we're all talking about the same things, that, that nothing is happening. And 
it's I think it's frustrating for the fans. It's frustrating for us, and and maybe even frustrating to the teams. I don't know because you know, it seems like a, a lot of teams are just kind of comfortable to wait and see what maybe other teams in their divisions are going to do. And for the Indians, they don't feel a lot of pressure because the Twins are a good team, but they're not a great team. They're probably not going to make up the 10, 11, 12 games it's going to take to to truly challenge them for the division. Even if they go out and sign you uh, Darvish today, I don't think anybody would be crowning the Twins the the, the the number one contender in the division. So I mean, it's like a lot of teams are just kind of waiting patiently to see if other teams make a move and then maybe they get reactionary. Are, are, is everybody just kind of too comfortable right now to just kind of let their, their teams be as it is? What's fascinating to me is uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall in these front offices just because it's not like they're sitting around doing nothing. I mean, we know front offices, all the big-time executives, they meet with their own teams every day, and they're talking and constantly communicating and throwing out ideas and having their analytics department run studies to see if this guy would be a good fit, if they should make this trade, um, asking their scouts and, and guys who have played a hand in, in the draft in years past, what they think of certain minor leaguers or guys who have made it to the majors. So there's always stuff going on, and, and I'm just I would love to know what is it that kind of sets off you know the 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 firecracker here, right? Like, is it what the is Red it Sox take? signing JD Martinez? Is but it... what's it going to take for them to finally say, okay, we're going to sign JD Martinez? You know what I mean? Like, like I know Scott Boris plays a hand in all this too, and the agents definitely play a role. But at, at what point does some team just say, okay, we're going to take the third best center fielder on the market right now and sign him to this contract, and that yeah. center fielder is going to agree because he wants a job? At some point, there's going to be a flurry of activity. I don't know when it's going to start, and I just wonder what is it that kind of sets everything off. I'm just—I've been trying to place the current free agents in years past to think of how quickly they would have gone off the board. Like Lorenzo Cain, let's put him uh, four or five years ago. You know, prior to some other center fielders that kind of have the same skill set, although I think Cain has more power than a guy like. Let's say Michael Bourne, because we watched that all unfold before our eyes. But you see Michael Bourne, whose game is based on speed and defense, and then he passes the the, the ripe old age of 31, 32. Those things start to decline. What would Kane have gotten four or five years ago? Would he have already cashed in on one of those mega deals? Would a team have already agreed to give him a five, six, seven-year deal? Is it because we've just seen so many things blow up in, in these teams' faces that have, has forced them to be so gun-shy? I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors, but I, I just can't imagine trying to put myself in the free agent's shoes right now. Jay Bruce coming off of one of his best years of his career, and he can't get a job. Like, that just has to be maddening. You have to think, what do I have to do to, to try to win people over? And so you make a, a, a gigantic change in your in your – and in, in the way you approach things at the plate, your mentality, you're going to hit more balls in the air. And yeah, everybody's doing that. So you kind of have to do it to keep up. But you come off, you go, I can hit, I can hit you 35 to 40 bombs. And, and I'm still sitting here on the market. I just, I, I, I in some ways I feel for them. In another way, I, I don't because they're going to eventually get paid. But God, it has to be frustrating for them, for their families to figure out where they're going to be playing this year. Yeah, I mean, they just had Christmas dinner with their extended family, and they got asked by 18 relatives where the hell they're playing next year, and they can't answer it. I mean, imagine, imagine being that. a free agent. Yeah, you, you have to change your whole family in a month. You have right. to get that all settled. That's crazy. 
Yeah, and not only that, but you're probably like afraid to go outside if you live somewhere where it's cold. You don't want to slip on the ice and break your leg before you sign that $90 million contract. So it's it's got to be maddening, like you said. And, and I'm just curious, like, you know, obviously teams want to have things set before spring training. So you can plan ahead and you can map everything out. Um, and the players want to be signed as soon as possible. And the agents, they're the ones who they want to make sure they've exhausted all options and found the best deal for their client. So I do think that they tend to be the ones who who drag their feet a bit. But we have seen, and we've talked about this, and we, we talked about it with Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff at the winter meetings, we've seen a shift in philosophy. And, and you're seeing some big market clubs wanting to stay under the luxury tax. That's definitely playing a role in this. You're seeing teams who have updated information. There aren't those. There aren't as many of those stupid teams who – just think that, you know, oh, so what if this guy's 37 years old? We'll give him a six-year deal for $200 million. Um, there, there are Teams are smarter, and teams have more of the same information. So you're seeing a lot of teams rely on younger, cheaper talent um, because it can be just as or almost as productive as some of the older talent that, that you're signing in free agency. Um, why, why go spend $20 million on a, a middle reliever if you've got a guy in AAA who – can probably do the same thing or, or a little bit give you a little bit less. So you're seeing all these sorts of factors play into this, and it's just kind of delayed everything. And at some point, there will be a correction to this. There will be, you know, because you want to be that team that maybe capitalizes and, and jumps on the pile early and mm-hmm. signs someone in November and, and gets everything out of the way early. So we'll see a correction. I just don't know if it'll happen next year or the year after, and, and maybe, maybe who knows, we might still be talking about J.D. Martinez and Eric Hosmer and Jay Bruce in April. I mean, this is, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, and I, and I look at a guy like Santana who signs the three-year $60 million deal with the Phillies, and at the time, maybe you could have thought, is there a, a, a better fit for him than the Phillies? Because maybe he doesn't want to go be the the elder statesman on a young team and try to lead them to prominence within the next two to three years. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe he can get more money on the market by weighing his options and and using the Phillies as leverage and, and all these sorts of different things he could have decided to do. The offer was on the table. He took it. And it's almost like the opposite of the other guy that you're going to compare it to because I went in Carnacion signed basically the exact same deal. Um, but he had better deals on, on the table, better offers on the table that he walked away from because he was playing his hand that, yeah, I know I can have this known commodity now, but I'm going to try to play it into something bigger down the road. Santana did the exact opposite. And yet, look who's been the smarter of the two because Santana got his deal done. He knows where he's going to play. Um, he's not waiting out there like many of the other free agents are. Even to a lesser extent, Yonder Alonso, you know, did the Indians... And and we know that the Indians looked into not only Alonzo, but basically anybody that had a drastic change in their offensive profile. Uh, Logan Morrison, for sure, they looked into. Uh, and they might have have had the, a similar deal to, uh, to, to many different guys. And it was just a question of which one of these guys is going to sign first. And while Alonzo could have said, uh, well, it's only two years. It's only $16 million. Maybe I can get a little bit more. Maybe I can find someone that's willing to play me every day. Less of a platoon. You know, all these different things. He said, no, I'll take the two years, $16 million guaranteed. I'll play on a good team and I'll be happy about it. It's. I, I think that's part of 
what's been a really interesting thing too, while we've seen a lot of the, the bullpen guys sign early, uh, just because there was just a plethora of them and there's such a, uh, an emphasis being placed on relief help now. You know, I, I wonder how many deals Hosmer or Moustakis or Kane may have walked away from earlier in the offseason that they might be reconsidering now. Boy, I wish I would have signed that. Boy, I wish I would have had some more conversations with that team. And then you have the Browns who won't be able to sign any free agents because their fans threw a parade to protest the 0-16 season. It's unbelievable. No, I, I, I wonder how, like, you know, you have that regret. I'm sure Encarnacion regrets turning down the early deals. I'm sure if any of these guys would have known this was going to drag into the middle of January and, and maybe later, they probably would have signed earlier. And so what's that going to do in future off seasons? And will the teams, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see because the teams don't know how this is going to play out either. Cause you know, they have certain information on, on what other teams are doing and agents and reporters are spilling some of what they know or all of what they know. But like next year going into it, do the Indians sit there and say, okay, we need to fill this position. We need, we need a reliever to fill, to replace Andrew Miller, or Cody Allen. Can we get this done right away or do we need to wait? Like what's the market going to be for all these guys? It's, it's hard to forecast. And so I think that's, that's really part of, I'm sure the front office's job that you don't really think about, but you have to kind of gauge what other teams are doing as much as you're figuring out your own plan. And, and not only that, but you have to gauge when they're going to do it and what they're comfortable with. So we always hear Chris Antonetti say, like, no matter, you know, even though the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton, that doesn't influence what the Indians need to do. They can only worry about themselves. And to an extent, that's true. But really, you need to be on top of what other teams are thinking so that you can get your guy or so that you maybe you can wait until early February to sign this person. So it's it's all a cat and mouse game. And it, it's it's interesting to watch play out. But this winter, since nothing has happened, it's been the opposite of that. Yeah, it's, it's not interesting at all. It has you going through the, the bowels of progressive fields searching for memorabilia, or yeah. me over the past few days looking at expected weighted on base averages for uh, Tyler Olson to see if, if what he's going to do in 2018 is, is real, or can you believe in what happened last year? I mean, things that are interesting, yes, but at this time of year, you're probably thinking about other things and there's just so much that, that has been difficult to, to try to, to spin in, in, in an interesting way because nothing happening can be interesting to an extent, but eventually something has to happen. And I'm wondering, because if, if you think about the way teams have kind of gone into the groupthink aspect of this, because everybody kind of comes from the same places now and a lot, a lot of the teams are fueled by like the same organization, like the Indians, where they're just sending out executives to different teams and they all grew up in the same atmosphere. So they all kind of think the same way. And, and I've, try, I've been trying to, to wonder, you know, what's the, what's the opposite of that? Like you kind of mentioned, what's the, what's the other side of, 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 of being the, the team that's in it with basically everybody else thinking the, the same way? Because, and I, and I can't remember what podcast I was listening to this week, might have been uh, the Mike Petriello or from LB.com or somebody, but somebody mentioned that the whole idea of Moneyball 15, 20 years ago was it's not just about thinking about on base percentage and guys getting on base, and we're not going to steal as much because, or just focusing on the right stats. I mean, that was part of it. 
a big part of that is trying to find kind of what's undervalued, right? What, what are other teams not paying attention to? What are other teams not valuing that we can, that can give us a competitive advantage? And it's probably more difficult now than ever because we're all just kind of using the same information. But could there be, could there be a more... Could there be a better zig to the zag, basically? Could could there be something that these teams could do to take advantage of everybody just kind of sitting back and waiting? And and I think the, the obvious answer, I don't know if it's the right answer, but, I mean, one solution is go nuts in free agency. You got all these guys sitting out there that are probably going to sign for below market value. If everyone else is content to just sit here and wait for everything to happen, then maybe step outside your comfort zone a little bit. Um, not have to sign somebody to a seven-year deal, but still maybe more than you would have you would have originally thought to, just to take advantage of all the talent that's out there. And I'm I'm wondering if, I mean, I know teams are trying to stay under the luxury tax, and that's a big part of it. And they're treating it almost like a hard cap as opposed to a, a soft cap. But I mean, can't can't you find some way to take advantage of that? And again, not to just tie everything else back into our hardball dynasty teams, but I mean, right now in our one league, nobody wants to spend free agent money. So uh, this offseason, I decided I'm going to throw all my money at these guys. And I'm going to bring in a bunch of talented players that other, I'm not going to have to bid for because everybody else is just sitting back and waiting. Can't, can't there be a similar mentality right now in Major League Baseball if teams are willing to, to maybe step outside that comfort zone? I think every team is looking for those market inefficiencies. I think it used to be that only some of the league was doing that. I, I think I'm with you. You have to have, obviously, ownership that is comfortable spending like that. The Indians can't zig the way you're suggesting other teams zig. Um, but there are teams out there that can. And I think part of this is everyone's waiting on next year's free agent class because you've got Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and maybe Clayton Kershaw and all these other guys. And so if you're going to spend your money, you might as well wait till next year to spend it because even if you're not in front on one or two guys. If you get your third or fourth choice, that's still as good as the first choice in any other year. So, yeah, it's possible. And, and maybe there's some team that takes advantage of that and thinks that way. Um, but, I mean, if we, if we narrow this to an Indian's perspective, I mean, I think, look at their coaching staff. They have attempted to gain a competitive advantage by basically just saying, we're going to take the brightest minds that we know and we're going to add them to the staff and figure out their roles later. Obviously, you have a pitching coach, you have a bullpen coach, a hitting coach. But they added Mark Budzinski, and they don't exactly know what he's going to do yet, but he's going to just add valuable insight wherever he can. Scott Atchison didn't have uh, an he had an official title, but he was basically just a staff assistant and kind of molded his own role, and now that's a legitimate role on the staff. So yeah. they've, they've, they've looked in that direction to try to gain an advantage and, and the more minds you have on the staff, the more guys you have to help your players. Well, I mean, think about whatever all the, they're trying to think do. about all the information you have to juggle as a manager. Now mm-hmm. um, in the past, what you just go down there. What's, what's the all gut say? Oh, let's put this guy in the two hole, this guy in the sixth spot. Uh, this guy's uh, going to come into the seventh inning. Why? Oh, Cause he throws left-handed. This guy throws right-handed and, We'll call it a day. I mean, now you have to have um, legitimate thought out reasoning for every move that you make. And there's, there are, are things that can help you, but what, not one guy could just sit there and handle all of those decisions. I think Tito does a tremendous job of not only 
trusting to have all of those smart minds around him, but then listening to them. I mean, do you think he's on board with every time he's ever thought outside the box? Probably not. Even he's spoken endlessly about not wanting to put Carrasco back in the rotation, but Kevin Cash talked him into it. Um, So I, I, I agree with you. And I chuckled because <laughs> what you said about Atchison in his title that he had one. I mean, Tito even told us when we were at the winter meetings, we were just sitting there having uh, the the luncheon, the lunch with the managers that he still doesn't even know what his title was or is. <laughs> but we, he knows that he was instrumental to helping them. Um, and he's held that job since 1914. So it's pretty impressive <laughs> yeah. when his Been playing career ended. Creating jobs and titles since forever since the country was founded but yeah i think the indians have tried to do that but i also i guess i'll disagree with you a little bit yes the indians can't offer a five-year 150 million dollar deal but if you're already in the mid 130s kind of projected for your for your salaries in, in 2018 and that's that's already in the upper in the upper half of the league getting close to upper third of the league could can't they and i know you've made this point before can't you find some way to squeeze out 10 15 more million dollars in this sure. window of trying to win it all and i know that you maybe maybe you lose money that way i i i know that that's difficult to ask people to spend their money because everyone's going to spend their money in ways that they want and they're going to run their businesses in the ways that they want and i've even been a defender of the indians and the way they've operated their payroll in the past to a degree but I mean, right when you're here right now, can't can't they find can't they scrounge out another 10, 15 if you're already spending 135 close to it? They should. I mean, they had their best attendance season in a long time last year, enough so that Edwin Encarnacion earned his his attendance bonus. And they already have they, they know what their attendance is going to be this year. They already have their season ticket holder base, which is much higher than it was a year or two ago. So you know you're going to draw well again. So you know you're going to make a certain amount of revenue. And and look, they have the books. They don't share them. I don't know what they're making, what they're losing, what have you. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to be asked to spend like this, I don't know, five years from now when you have maybe Francisco Lindor on the last year of team control, Jose Ramirez and nobody else because you're you're much younger and the window has pretty much closed. So why not spend now? I'm I'm with you. I mean, if it, if you're spending 135, why not spend 145? It's not we're not asking you to compete with the Yankees and the Dodgers. We're not asking you to compete with with the Cubs. I mean, it's it's yeah, I'm with you and and especially when you have glaring holes like I don't understand who is rounding out this bullpen. There, there's nobody unless it's like Julian Merriweather or Danny Salazar or someone like like why not add a little bit of depth? You didn't win it all last year. You're not a perfect team, and so uh, I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they need to go out and get Lorenzo Cain or, or Jay right. Martinez. But sure, I mean, and if if the price drops on Jay Bruce or someone like that, throw him a two year, three year deal for below market value. And so I, I, I'm with you, um, but I don't know that that necessarily qualifies as zigging when everyone else is zagging. I mean, by their standards. It would be, <laughs> given the way they've typically operated. That's a little different than they, they normally would operate. But they've also, and I will give them credit for this. I'll give ownership credit for this. In the, the three biggest opportunities they've had to take advantage of an, of, uh, of an opportunity is Andrew Miller, Jay Bruce, and Edwin Encarnacion. 
And in all three instances, they decided that the the money that they were going to have to pay those guys, the opportunity was worth it because the it was presented to them. So they took advantage of it. And that's I guess that's all I'm I'm thinking about now is where are those opportunities that where we don't see these free agents just sit here forever. This is so new. Where, where can you find something that somebody else is undervaluing and that's giving up a little bit of money right now? Or if you have to front load a deal or something, I, I would just think that I would think there has to be some sort of way to, to take advantage of it. I'm not probably smart enough to know what that is, but I know that when you have everybody doing the same things, there is something you can do to, to find, a, to find a, a disadvantage for everybody else that you can use as advantage for you. Well, I've got one for you, and the Twins kind of did this. They signed Michael Pineda, who's going to miss most of this year because he had Tommy John surgery. And there are a few relievers out there in the similar boat. I know, I don't know if Drew Smiley signed. I think he signed. Yeah. He, with uh, I can't remember with who, but like Trevor Rosenthal is out there, and the Indians are going to need bullpen help. And the Indians pride themselves on rehabbing guys back from Tommy John surgery. They they pour a lot of time and money into it. And another one, another market inefficiency they found that kind of helps is with their complex in Goodyear, which is almost completed. It was undergoing renovations for the last year, and it should be done in time for spring training. But they send guys out there all the time, and they rehab guys, and they have medical people and chefs and everything you could possibly need and coaches. And they feel like they can rehab guys back from Tommy John as well as anybody else. That's that's part of the reason why they took a gamble on Brady Aiken a few years ago in the first round. And so it wouldn't surprise me if, if they went and signed Trevor Rosenthal or who, who else? Is it Zach Putnam who had yeah. Tommy John surgery? Putnam, and um, there's also another white. Uh, Patrichka. Uh, yeah, him. I think um, uh, Putnam was farther along, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's the same... Same yeah, general idea. If you're confident in your medical team's abilities, you can take a gamble on one of those guys that other teams wouldn't. And I think that's kind of speaking to what you're speaking about in terms of doing something that other teams wouldn't take the risk of doing. Another team in the division is reportedly, I haven't seen this official yet, going to, to do something that nobody else is, and that's adding Justin Morneau to their front office in some regard. Um, that would be the Minnesota Twins. Morneau announced his retirement and apparently, according to reports, is going to take some sort of job within the, the Twins front office, probably just uh, an advisor role right off the bat. I don't know what that really means. It could just be a title or he could actually be doing stuff. But I was thinking about the, the Indians roster right now, trying to envision somebody, somebody doing that in the future. Once their career is over, coming back to the Indians, or maybe they're a lifelong Indian coming back and being a part, I guess even the coaching staff, we can look at it that, that way or in the front office. Do you think there's anybody that's currently on the team or recently has been with the team that you could see coming back and being a part of really in any capacity of the organization? Michael Martinez. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going that way. I mean, he's already in that role, isn't he? Like They invite <laughs> yeah. him to spring training every year. Where his, his job is, yeah, sure, go ahead. We'll give you a chance to make the team. But really, mentor some of the young kids who are infielders or who don't speak English that he can help uh, learn learn the game and learn to speak English. 
do those kind of things. I mean, he essentially is a coach. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I know they've relied on him for some at-bats the last few years, but, like, it's fewer and fewer the last year. one in the World Series. Or that, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, he does not stand any chance to make the opening day roster. And uh, couldn't you see them so keeping him? Because he, he wanted to come back. He wanted to come back last year. He called the Indians and said, hey, do you have a spot for me? And they yeah. said, sure, go to AAA. I mean, he could do that again. He could do that. We've talked about this. He could do that till he's 60. <laughs> Just stay on the bench at AAA yeah. and, and mentor some of the young kids. Uh, Eric Gonzalez has talked at, at length about the difference that Michael Martinez has made in his young career. Okay, that's fair. I was thinking probably a little bit bigger, bigger picture, but I, I guess that falls in line. How about Michael Brantley? Michael Brantley, whether it's a coach or being a part of somehow the front office, I mean, we know how close the relationship is so much that they probably took a little bit of a risk, if not a giant risk, by bringing him back on his option this year. But they also just love having him around. The, um, you know, how much has, has Francisco Lindor talked about Michael Brantley early in his career, about even him just being at the top step of the dugout and watching his at-bats and helping him and those sorts of things. Um, could, could you see Michael Brantley sliding in somehow to help the organization in the future? Because I, I certainly could. Yeah. Can't you also just see Brantley retiring to Florida and no one ever hearing from him again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that happening too. Where um, he never has to do another interview with anybody else ever again. Right. <laughs> there are a few guys like that. I could see maybe like Cody Allen. I think he's he's a good guy that a lot of people look up to, and he seems like – you know what's weird to me is he's going to hit free agency at the end of the year. I, I cannot for the – like he just seems like someone who can only play for the Indians. I can't picture him in another uniform. I can't picture him wanting to leave. He just seems like some the guy, like he's going to retire with the Indians. I know that's not going to happen. I mean, he's probably going to leave this, this winter, but um, he just seems like – I could see him playing for the Indians for another – five or six years and then sliding into a special advisor role to the front office. I, I can see that. It's fair. If, if anybody has any, any thoughts, any suggestions, shoot them, uh, shoot them at us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel. What about Albert emails. Bell? Albert Bell. Now, what would he be a coach of? Would it be egg accuracy? Is, is he deflects them from people throwing him at his house? Strength coach. <laughs> yeah, strength coach. Um, I mean, you could you could go back in time like Jason Grimsley. Uh, it would be, what, the ability to crawl through ceilings? That's always been helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be like uh, the athleticism coach, right? Agility coach. Well, why not? Let's go back in time. Hey, the Indians are making up coaching positions. As long as you've got <laughs> some valuable insight, they'll hire you. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have much of that, but we're still here every uh, single week. Uh, Zach, thank you for the time this week, buddy. Uh, the par- You want to talk about the parade? If you've got some cool anecdote for us, then absolutely. Not really, but do you – I mean, we joked about like if the Indians went 0-162 with their oh, yeah, parade. It was a joke. That's right. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do with this box of T-shirts, Zach? <laughs> but you know the Indians threw a rally downtown after both times that they lost the World Series. This is true. This is not the first non-victory parade 
thrown by a Cleveland team in downtown Cleveland. Yeah, although those those players on those Indians teams actually kind of liked it as opposed to some of the Browns <laughs> players. <laughs> good point. That seems like a good note to close on. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Bumpers. Uh, you can find us on the actual athletic page. There's always a podcast page every single week where you can find all the links. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TJ Zupi, at Zach Meisel, where you can find our emails. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, uh, be sure to leave us notes on our, our Apple podcast page. We appreciate those. Uh, generally, I find one and I shoot it to Zach and I say, hey, do you know this person? And you tell me no. And then we try to figure out if maybe one of us paid that person off for their their insight and their, their thoughts and opinions. I just want to make sure to purchase a beer for anyone who leaves (laughs) us a glowing review. That's my point. I just want to make sure everybody that we made all those commitments to actually get their commit commitment fulfilled. Uh, but hopefully this time next week, I'll say this every time as we close the show, we have something actually tangible to talk about. All right. Can you guarantee that for me? Nope. All right. Well, thanks buddy. Appreciate it. Selby is Godcast. Thanks again to list for listening this week and we will see you later.